Hey, welcome to Abscond Podcast with Ethan Renault. This is either episode 22, 23, or 24. <laughs> I can't remember because um, I never check, and my producer, Mark, will surely straighten that out by the time it gets online. But um, I'm sitting in a classroom with my friend Jake. He's a fellow teacher here in Guatemala. And the thing is, Jake and I always have these amazing conversations first thing in the morning when we get there to school and we have like 45 minutes to kill and I was like you know what these conversations are always about the most interesting things and Jake is ridiculously smart and well informed so I figured why not just start recording some of these conversations so Jake said sure and so that's what we're doing right now we have about half an hour before classes start so we're just going to start talking and see how it turns out so yeah Jake um you want to introduce yourself real quick? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm Jake Mayen, or Mahone, Mr. Mahone, and I've uh, been in Guatemala for about two years now. It'll be two years in January, and came here from New York, where I lived with my wife, Becca, for about three, four years, uh, where I studied and went to college, so happy to be here. Thanks. So, yeah. okay, another thing I want to do in the future is oh, yeah. I have another friend who didn't get married until he was like 32. And I would love to do one with, like, getting married at an older, quote-unquote, older age with him and then getting married at a younger age oh, with yeah. you. Because you were married when you were, what, 21? I got married uh, at 21, yes. Yeah, so that'd and be a good one. Yeah. I have friends that got married even younger, so maybe I could do Married at 21 too. and now 25. So, yeah, married quite young. The, our our mar- marital counselor told us, look, people who get married young grow up together, basically, and they, they form each other. And so there's pros and there's cons to that because you, you're really, really good at being one kind of person, one mind. Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of hard to be independent sometimes um, and know who you are. But then getting married later in life also has its own pros and cons because you're already formed, developed, independent people. It's really hard to merge lives at that point. Yeah. I can't remember if I told you this or not, but I recently... Uh, when I was at seminary with a, a counseling student told me a statistic that if you get married before the age of 20, then you're more likely to stay together. Or if you get married after the age of 30 or like your late 20s, you're more likely to stay together. But it's like the 21 to like mid 20s. That's like the most dangerous place to get married. Um, because if you get married young enough, Interesting. you develop and grow together. Whereas if you get married old enough, like later 20s, you already know who you are. You know exactly what you want, how you live, hmm. all that stuff. So you're more likely to stay together. But it's like the mid, like when you get married while you're like partway through figuring yourself out, that's when it gets really risky. And apparently that's like the most highest statistic highest point risk for area. divorce. Yeah. Highest restoration. We went to counseling right away. Like our first year of marriage, we just uh, spent in counseling. And that was phenomenally helpful because... Hmm. It helped us think about where we came from, our families, and how that affected. It, it just blew my mind how essentially my relationship with my mom and my siblings, I don't know, how, how do I say this word, impinged, impinged so deeply on my relationship with Becca and just in everyday interactions with her would come, come into play. That just, it was so, so important. And I've actually started going back to therapy last week <laughs> online Oh, really? Because I just really been missing it. Yeah, like really, really like... As a couple or individual? Just me, yeah. Just mm. having someone to talk to about things that you can't talk to 
most people about is is really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were actually just talking about purity culture and marriage, and uh, I know we were thinking about like eight different things to talk about <laughs> during this time, including but not limited to uh, the deep future and Dyson spheres. Oh uh, man, that was good. <laughs> outer space, uh, and also. Uh, Politics and Christianity in the United States, um, and so kind of in Guatemala. But since this we're talking about marriage, uh, we were just talking about purity culture as well. I just think it. One thing that I had just said to Ethan before we started this was getting, like, living with someone because you want to have sex with them and you want to kind of simulate in a way marriage and pretend you're married is not. I don't think is Yahweh's perfect design for the way people are meant to be intimate. It doesn't reflect the intimacy he has with his people the same way marriage does. Marriage is this important covenant. But uh, that being said, I also don't think it's in Yahweh's perfect design to get married because you want to have sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know no one gets married out of completely pure motives. I mean, we're all, it's, all, it's a mixture of true love and admiration and lust. And it's always this messy you know, mix that you just have to figure out. But mm. I know I, I got married at 21. I was basically like, I am going, I'm going to move in with this girl eventually, mm. probably sooner rather than later. And I just, I need to get married ASAP to kind of beat that to the punch. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad we got married. I'm not, I don't think, yeah, that's necessarily the best, the best reason to do it. So if we hadn't been Christians, we'd probably just be living together. And would that be worse? I think so. But would it be, I don't know, is what I'm doing now so much better? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still honestly confused about that. Wait, wait uh, is it so much better being a Christian and being married and living together? Is what, like, what we did, our decision to get married because we basically just were just aching in our bones to live together. Uh... It, was that 100% right and good and what Yahweh would have would have liked for us to do? Well, on the um, other hand, like, you know. yeah, there is the defense, and honestly, I think it is reasonable to say, like... Oh, if you're burning with lust. Yeah, first get married. seven. Yeah. yeah. Like, if it's better to be married than to burn with desire. Yeah. And so, like, obviously it's better to, you know, be in, be in that... This the sphere where God designed those passions to like burn, kind of like you know the fireplace analogy. It's better to have a fire in the fireplace than to start a fire on your couch or something like that. <laughs> you know, like ha- put it in its proper place, and it's a good thing. And I think that's what yeah. Paul's saying there. And that's like a classical you know purity type yeah. reasoning. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it to be honest. Yeah, I'm just I'm just thinking about pe- you know people I know who got married young for similar reasons. And then, for whatever reason, just realized that they they weren't who they thought they were when they got married, or they married someone who they didn't really know, and they both became different people. And um, there were, often there was in the examples I'm thinking of, there was abuse involved, and they they ended in tragedy, and they ended in divorce. And uh, I do think there's a value to. I don't know, knowing who you are and knowing who the person is you're married and them knowing who they are. Self-knowledge is a really important part of it. At the same time, I struggle with, I even struggle with that notion because uh, 
it's, I think, fairly recent development in human history that we do get married basically, I, I don't know, as fully formed adults. Uh, I think marriage for most of human history was teenagers yeah. getting married or people in their, men in their 20s marrying teenage girls, teenage women. Basically, once you can bear children, it's sort of like it's time to get married and like puberty. And arranged marriage was very is was and is very common in the world today. And I'm not convinced that that's necessarily worse. Um, <laughs> really, you know, than than whatever our notion of free love and yeah. I well, mean, you also have to take into account. Did Mary choose to like would Mary would a 14 year old girl have chosen to marry Joseph? I mean, there probably was an element of choice and free will for her, but it's probably also family and social. A fa- basically a family or tribal decision yeah. on her behalf. Because um, Joseph would have been much older than her, right? Right. But at the same time, according to, depending on how you interpret the Bible, they hadn't slept together either. So <laughs> This is so funny. <laughs> no, no, they hadn't. Well, you're talking about the, <laughs> you know, the interpretation of the word translated as virgin, which could just mean like a young woman. No, actually, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking of that. I was just thinking because I, I, I teach a bunch of teenagers here at school, and we just had a conversation last week about what virginity is in one of my classes. Well, in the kind of the class where we do the kind of sex ed based stuff and other, other things like that, social emotional learning. And all the guys, like to a man, were like, oh, well, you're a virgin as up until you have anal or vaginal sex. Hmm. And I was like, really? So oral sex, you'd be a virgin? Like, yeah, of course. Of course, you'd be a virgin after that. And I was like, huh. So if you're going <laughs> to block your ears or uh, stop listening, if this, is gonna <laughs> if this is too explicit for you. But I was like, okay, so if you're going to marry someone and then she says, uh, I really want to marry you. That's great. But I've had oral sex hundreds of times. Just want you to know. you know. Versus, oh, yeah, I'll marry you. That's great. I just want you to know that I have had vaginal sex with another man once. And it was in a committed relationship. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, so which one of those is worse? And they're like, oh, the first one's way worse. And I was like, but in the first example, she's a virgin. Yeah. And the second, she's not. Yeah. According to your definition, they're like, well, yeah, but that just isn't, it's not as important in this case. And I was like, so if Mary had like performed oral sex for Joseph, she still would have been the Virgin Mary? And they're like, okay, that's too, they're all Catholic. So they're like, okay, that's, <laughs> that's going too far. Yeah. <laughs> Don't talk about Mary. But I was, I, you know, what, like this concept of virginity is just so wacky to me. I guess you could even back that up further for a hypothetical question and say, she's made out with <laughs> 200 guys yeah. or had sex with one person. Yeah. Which one would you, rather? I don't know. That's made a, out with 200 a, different guys or had sex with one boyfriend who she had for three years. And that it was like a committed relationship and she really thought about it and it was a calculated decision hmm. to have sex with him. Yeah. Because she thought they were going to get married. Yeah. Which of those is worse? I mean, obviously the first one would make me feel worse. Um, well, I'd, yeah. I think yeah. the first one would be more promis- you know, promiscuity. I, I mean, of course, we're talking about a woman here in this case because we're both men thinking about marrying a woman. But obviously it could, it could go, go the other go way, too, the way too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's an interesting question. So what is virginity what is purity you know i mean well do you know who leonard ravenhill is no he just like some theologian slash pastor slash writer uh he died in the 1900s sometime um but he has this crazy quote where he says uh you know when god uses the word purity yeah what is the word purity in well like i don't know what it is in greek or hebrew but he says um 
I mean, at least in the English definition, yeah. if something is 99% pure, is it pure? No, it's not pure. He <laughs> um, says purity is 100% pure. Like if you have some metal, like if you have silver, that's uh, 99% yeah. pure. It's, it's, in, it's not pure. By definition, that's not something that's pure. So, you know, when God says, calls us to purity, he's not calling us to 99% purity. He's calling us to 100%. So that's just like a random tidbit from Leonard Ravenhill. What's the Greek and Hebrew? Yeah, sort of like if you break the law at one point, you've broken the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. If you have one, if you have 0.01% impurity, then you, by definition, are not pure. Yeah, and Strong's Greek, hagnia, which is translated purity or chastity, sort of means like sinlessness of life. It's, it's more holistic. You could also look up where else that word is used and in what context. Yeah, let me figure that out. That's interesting. But I want to go back to like yeah, yeah, yeah. marrying young oh, yeah, real yeah. quick. Do you think it's wrong to marry young? Because in your case, yeah. obviously you and Becca are still married and it seems to be going great. Yeah. Or at least going well. And you guys are. It is going pretty well. Um, but on the other side, I, I do know, I'm 27, and so I do know plenty of couples that married young and already have divorced. Yeah. I, I knew one that married, I think they were 20 or 21, and got divorced in less than a year. And so... Jeez. Yeah. That just, and, see, that just sounds like they shouldn't have gotten married. You know, it, it sounds like the advice that they should have gotten from the, the wise people in their life and their mentors should have been, hey, don't get married, mm-hmm. you know, which is, is sort of the opposite of the typical, I don't know, like the advice I would, I would think of as typical in a purity culture. Like, no, of course you want to get married, but in their case, it sounds like that was a bad idea. Yeah, because like on the one hand, you do have the First Corinthians 7 passage of it's better to marry than to burn with lust. On the other side, you need someone who really, really knows you and your life, and probably your your boyfriend and girlfriend's life as well, and knows them, you know, in order to say, like, is this a place where I think it's a good thing for you to get married, or are you just getting married to have sex? But is that even a bad thing in itself? Because... See, my, my parents' divorce just informs so much of this for me. This has been part of my self-knowledge journey that I've, relatively speaking, just begun. But my whole life as a kid... I was goody-goody two-shoes, follow the rules, uh, answer all the questions right, please the authorities, gratify the authorities in my life, my parents, my youth counselors, my teachers, whatever. And my parents' divorce just kind of was an earthquake that completely reformed, terraformed that underlying reality for me, that underlying, I guess, assumption about the world that if you just follow all the rules, everything works out. How old were you? I was 16 when I got divorced. and so I was able at that point, I, I mean, my thought process basically was, okay, well, I'll just leave this life and this world and my town and my family as soon as possible, which is soon. I mean, I'm going to graduate high school in a year or two. And when I go to a different city, go to college, when I go to New York, I'll just create my own world, you know, and being, being with Becca and marrying her was part of that, just creating my own whole new reality. But one thing that came out of that was, I think this is new. This was new for me, and I've only recently begun thinking about this. Really, freedom as a core value, because so much of the conflict that I have with Becca 
is essentially me being petulant and wanting more freedom than marriage in a way uh, allows me to have. Hmm. And that it sounds bad, right? I mean, um, when I think of the amount of freedom I would have as a, as a bachelor or being single, and then I compare it to the amount of freedom I have as a married man, there's just a huge difference. Now, I also have someone to share my life with and you know, go, to, go to sleep with every night, which is nice. But there are times where I, I deeply resent that, that difference hmm. in the levels of freedom. But that's not, like, that's what I chose. And also, I want to have kids one day. And, you know, with your kids, like, <laughs> your freedom goes way down when you have kids. Ge- oh, no, that was really loud. <laughs> but your freedom goes way down when you have kids, you know. And that's good. Like, that's how it's supposed to be. I mean, if that's what right. happens with a family. You go from being a single man with a lot of freedom to a married man and to a, to a, a father. And I need to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, my, I have this like pathological need for freedom. Uh, maybe that's the wrong <laughs> word for it. Maybe I'm, I'm not a psychologist. So. But there's just something so deep. It, it's as small as like, um, hey, why don't you sweep this room while I mop that room? Because that'll be more efficient, right? We can just sort of like rotate. And she's like, no, just stand here with me. Boom. Like, that triggers me. You know, I'm just like, wait, <laughs> why? I want to be in that room doing this while you... And it's so, it's so deep. And yeah, I think it comes out of mm-hmm. my life and my experience, and that self-knowledge is so important. Yeah. And I, think, I think without therapy, we would, we would be on the track to divorce, honestly, because um, we wouldn't know why we were having these conflicts. Yeah. That's something I wrote. I can't remember where I wrote it. I write a lot. But I wrote a, a year or two ago something like, with every with every step forward in your life, um, as far as like, uh, uh, I can't remember how I put it. How I put it was pretty good, but I can't remember. Right <laughs> but it was something like with every step forward you take with, uh, how do you put it? So for instance, if you, you know, you graduate college and you want a full-time job, you get a full-time job. You sacrifice a bit of your freedom right there because suddenly you can't travel the world. You can't, pick up and move, you, you have some sort of commitment. Um, maybe that was it with every commitment. Like you gain something, you gain a full-time job, work experience, money, uh, security in some sense. Then you get married. Suddenly you sacrifice the freedom to date whoever you want. You probably sacrifice a bit of that travel freedom still. You, you sacrifice, um, a decent, depending on who you marry, of course, but you sacrifice... For like definitely, you sacrifice the ability to date whoever you want. Me, right. as a single twenty-seven-year-old, I I have the freedom to date whoever I want, to go out whenever I want. If I want to go out to a party at eleven p.m., I can do that. No one's going to hold me back. You, like you said, you don't have that freedom, but what you do have is a partner to share your life with, to share your thoughts with, and to go to bed with at night. Yeah, I don't have that. And then, like you said, you you have kids. So with every step forward, there's more sacrifice of freedom. So I think the advice I would give to a young person, or any single person for that matter, is before you get married, think about, like, sure, you get to have sex when you're 21, 22, but is that worth sacrificing your freedom? And I, don't, I think that's the question most people don't ask when they're younger is, would you rather sacrifice your freedom in order to have sex mm. and intimacy and relationship with this person, or is freedom still important to you? 
And if freedom is important to you, you probably shouldn't get married yet. Yeah. It, that's, oh man, there's so many things I want to say right now. <laughs> well, we <laughs> because, have 15 minutes, so well, go for well, it. Well, well, because, okay, so I, just I, right away, because of my training and my um, education, I think of Hobbes. You know, this is so Hobbesian. Oh, first of all, it is ironic for us talking about giving advice to young people. When we're in our mid twenties, <laughs> I'm late, starting to feel mid, old. Mid to late twenties. I will say, for a Christian, I'm pretty old for a single person. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. That's true. But um, this whole thing is so Hobbesian, right? Because it, Thomas Hobbes in the Leviathan says, "Look, in a state of perfect freedom, no government, life is actually terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's solitary, nasty, poor, brutish, and short. And when you sacrifice freedom to a tyrant, to a monarch." In, in exchange for protection, life actually improves. So life is actually better under a monarch than it is under total anarchy. And it's kind of like what you're talking about. You know, being single is theoretically this state of perfect freedom. And yet you, you do lack so much. I mean, it's like in our, maybe not in our culture, but yeah, I, I think it's safe to say in, in the culture of, in the United States at the moment, um, almost no matter where you are in the country, any, any culture in the country, if it's not marriage, it's at least partnership, is seen as this like salvific point, you yeah. know, this, this like point of salvation. Or like the finish line. Maybe. The finish line, past which you're, you're, you're good, you've arrived, you know, um, whether it's marriage or just having a partner. And life before that is, is really seen as this, like anarchic chaos where life is solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, mm-hmm. <laughs> lonely, lonely. Yeah. yeah, lonely. Yeah, which you've written written a lot about, and uh, in a way, surrendering your freedom to get more benefits. That that's that, it's you know that's straight up political philosophy, which also in a way ties into um, <laughs> what we were just talking about. With oh man, I was we, I didn't mention this term, but earlier we were talking about the, uh, I guess, progressive versus conservative and what those words mean and, and how this sort of very vocal progressive minority in the country and then there's a very silent, more conservative majority, possibly. Um, but one, one you know, term in political theory, you know, about sort of ev- the evolution of the state is that at some point this Habesian exchange of freedom for security becomes a demand for not freedom from the state, but choice enhancement or choice subsidization that you can do whatever you want and there shouldn't be consequences. Yeah. Um, that's a whole other line of thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what you were just saying about waiting and waiting until you're married because then you sort of know yourself better and you know what you want. Um, uh, it it is this new phase of life. And I think you can kind of, it's a correlation here between the evolution of the state and the, the sort of the, the evolution or the proliferation of life stages. Cause it used to be just two, right? Like childhood and adulthood. Then there was childhood being a teenager and then being an adult. And now I think there's being in your twenties. There's almost this like a whole other life crisis, whole other in between stage. Mm-hmm. Um, what's his name? David Brooks at, at New York times calls this the odyssey stage where you just move from city to city mm-hmm. Country to relationship to relationship. Yeah. Uh, they re- say it's like the 20s are like your testing years, like your experimental years. Yeah. And like, when did that start? Like, did I don't want to say there's more. It's like, because now it's like 
even if you go to a church, you have like the you could break it up into as many categories as you want. There's like the childhood, then there's the youth group, and then there's the college age group, yeah, and then there's the tw- the the young adult group or like the career group, yeah, and then there's like young adult. the young marrieds, and then there's <laughs> the um, uh, middle age family age type group, yeah. then there's the old people, you know. So it's like however many categories you want to break it up into. Yeah, yeah, and I wonder. I just have so many thoughts popping right now because mm-hmm. extending, I've heard people say it's like extending adolescence. I don't know if that's fair. It's, it's almost like a whole new life stage um, where you're just trying to figure out what kind of adult you are on your own or through a series of, you know, semi-permanent, semi-stable relationships as opposed to, I don't know, a, a, a more conservative tribal rural society where you just get married much sooner and that'll be your life, right? And you just append your family and your house to the family property and join the family business and that'll just be your life. Mm-hmm. Um, this atomization, this, you know, extreme individualization where we're all on our own journeys and we can move between cities very easily, we're highly mobile, in a way does almost require a state that does subsidize that journey you know like now we have healthcare until 26 mm-hmm. right so we don't have to settle down and have a job and don't have to figure out insurance until that age and I just think that's just going to keep going right well, if you're in Colorado you don't ever have to because there's free healthcare <laughs> great I should go there yeah you are aren't you I think we might go there eventually yeah well our plans keep changing but we might end up in Boulder yeah <clears throat> but yeah you're right like that does make it easier and I guess another analogy is, I think it may have been Lewis. I can't remember who said this, but something is like, um, like if you're a fish and you desire freedom, you can only be free as long as you're in water, right? Like if you're in oh, the yeah. ocean, you can go anywhere you want. But if you're like, I want to be free on land, you'll <laughs> die within minutes. Oh uh, yeah. Um, or or same analogy for like a train. A train is free as long as it's on the tracks. You know, and oh, interesting. And for that metaphor, like, uh, if you get married, you're kind of laying track in a certain direction that you chose. Whereas, if you're a single person like me, you could lay the track in this direction, this direction, this direction, this direction. Yeah. Whereas, getting married kind of puts you on a certain track, so you're in a sense less free, but maybe you have the benefit of like. Okay, that analogy died in my Well, the analogy, in your analogy, you did say that you chose, but the train train didn't choose the track and the fish didn't choose the ocean, really. I mean, and and that's what I think of as this principal difference between different types of societies because I I think when you do get married young, when you do, when your life is highly familial, highly tribal, it is less choice, I think, Mm -hmm. really. And then with more choice, you just get people postponing those decisions but there are benefits and that's yeah that's where my analogy broke down there, there are benefits yeah because like a train can't say i want to go through that forest where there's no tracks like well you can't because you'll crash and you won't make it very far yeah so like freedom you know when people talk about freedom like one uh last summer i was i met this this guy and um he's like <laughs> to be i don't i don't want to be judgmental but he was kind of a quasi philosopher like mm-hmm. He said, I asked him who his favorite philosophers were, and he said, crap, it was a guy's name he mispronounced. Oh, no. 
Uh, I mispronounced a lot too. It was like you could tell that he only read it and he hasn't like actually learned much like in the classroom. <sighs> yeah, the it, was day, a, the it was like a silent T. The other day I said Goth and it's Gota. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it to was. Me. What's the philosopher's name that ends in a silent T? Oh shoot, um, I'm thinking. Of, it's uh, gonna drive me crazy. Yeah, man. I can't think of anything right now. But he's and that. But anyway, I said, so what kind of philosophy are you into? He said, I read this guy. And I was like... Diderot? No. <laughs> uh, now it's going to drive me crazy. Yeah. But um, he, I said, so what's like the core of your philosophy? He said, well, I believe that human beings can be free. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, wow. Like to sum up, sum up your entire thought process in that way. But the more I think about that, the more I think like progress in happiness and in life means sacrificing certain freedoms, like I said. So whether that's political, you know, or governmental or relational, yeah, it's relational right. or because like if a dad, if a father of a couple of children says, I just want to be free, his kids are going to be like, okay, great. Does that mean we don't have a dad anymore? You know, like, and that's, I'm so interested in what will happen in the future because what's the ultimate constraint? Death. And in a way, death mm. organizes our life. We say, okay, I'm in my 20s now, I should be doing this. In my 30s now, I should be doing this because I'll probably be dead in more or less 50, 60 years, something, right? Yeah. And, or at least invalid and, you know, whatever. My life is over. And we organize our life stage this way and think about children, family, career, relationships this way. And even now in my 20s, I'm beginning to feel that pressure. Like I need to somehow start a life, start my, you know, start a family because I don't want to be, I'm already thinking, you know, how old are my kids going to be when I'm 60? If mm -hmm. I don't have kids by the time I'm 30, you know, and I'm, I'm already doing the math in my head, right? But the human lifespan and the human health span is getting longer and longer. And I, I'm not sure, you know, if a thousand years from now, that will be like, if we'll hit some sort of natural limit, we just, we just can't transcend. But I read something recently that every, every generation for the past, I'm not sure how many generations, have been getting older by three years on average. Oh, wow. And that that's independent of, um, it's, it's actually independent of wealth. Just all across the world, people mm. are living longer. Um, and, that's interesting. Yeah, and so will that continue indefinitely and what how what effect will that have on human society because what what will our lives look like when we live when when we all live to be about 200 well you know that that does kind of i have two two thoughts we need to wrap it up quickly because class yeah, i'm starting coming. a whole new but, idea uh one genesis 6 says that my spirit will not contend with man forever i will limit his years to 120 god says that to right. noah right and since then as far as I know, no one's lived past 120. The oldest right. person right now is under 120. They're like 116 or something. Oh, jeez. They better die soon. Yeah. But like, <laughs> no, but like even Moses, who lived after Noah, obviously, died at exactly 120. Right, right, so right. So you have the, the pre-Diluvian era, the time before right. the flood, when people lived like yeah. hun hundreds of years. But since then, there's been like two or three exceptions in the Bible. But like in, so personally, I don't think anyone will pass 120. Second thing, yeah, yeah, could be. If that does become the new average, like 110 becomes the new average as opposed to 80, like I wonder if that has something to do with why we've extended right. the period of right. um, experimentation. Does it make the sense? 20s. Does it make sense to get married when you're 18 
when you're gonna when you're no longer gonna live to be 50, 50 you're gonna yeah. live to be 90 is that an inescapable inevitable inevitable development when health spans yeah. increase i feel yeah. like mass popular culture and does government need to radically change to meet that you know new reality too yeah but like does culture says like get married at 30 now like you can mess around till you're 30 yeah 30 like whereas <laughs> in the past when you live to be 50 yeah. it was get married in your teens so like and that's what pr- i want to proportionally have that's, that's about clock. yeah proportionally that's about the same yeah right? be interesting to do the math on that you know yeah yeah and Pink. how that changes culture but um, yeah, we should wrap it up because yeah, our yeah. students are coming in. So, any anything you want to close with? We can pick it up and again. Oh in the man, future. next time we got it. We got to go into uh, transgender debate. We got to go into theology <laughs> of the body, and then we got to move over to politics again. We got to get more into that, and then we got to talk about outer space. Oh, space was fun. Yeah, we got to talk. We about talked space. for an hour and a half about space the other day. Just a teaser for upcoming episodes. Uh, we figured out that. God lives in either the 12th dimension or 13th. It's unclear. But he's somewhere up there. At least that's what I think. Jake, we'll have to, we'll have to put up like a video of you like using your hand motions <laughs> to like explain that one. Because that was super interesting. Yeah, you yeah. almost I think you convinced me. It's kind of it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. It's also true. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for plugging my upcoming episodes. Yeah. Our upcoming episodes. Great. So this was Jake. Part one. I'll get to bring in Kyle next time. Kyle, yeah. <laughs> that'll be good, too. Yeah. So this has been Epscon with Ethan Renault. The bell's going to ring any second. That's a lot. So thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again next time. Um, don't forget, if you want to read more, ethanrenault.com. If you want to look at my books slash my merch line, just go to ethanrenault.com slash shop. Um, or if you want to contact me, click the contact button on my website or send an email to ethan at ethanreno.com. I've said my name enough times Amen. now. There's the, the bell. bell. <laughs> Talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening. Bye.